Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. And it's been a fantastic time together learning about how God actually cares and is involved in every detail of your life. Uh, for those of you who I haven't met, my name is Ryan, and you met my better half, Stephanie, who is far better than in the equation. She is uh, obviously very beautiful. Look at her. So don't do that. Okay. Anyways, um, my name is Ryan, and I'm the awkward one of the relationship. <laughs> We're happy you're here today, and man, we are so thankful you came to church during the summer. Come on, it's fantastic. We have a gift for you. Uh, we have a gift certificate for you for right next door for our uh, Fratello Analog Copy Shop there. So make sure you grab one of those bags. And for those of you, if it's your first time, maybe you can come uh, maybe a couple times before. Maybe you've never been a part of this. But we have an, a lunch for you. It's literally 45 minutes long right after the service. And uh, Yun's staying back here with his little baby Aiden in his little pouch there like a kangaroo. He's back there. Is that South Africa? Well, it's Australia. Yeah, sorry. You're from South Africa. Do any animals carry their babies in a pouch in South Africa? Just you, okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyways, you can go ahead and uh, head back there. And I would encourage you, you say, you know, like, I'm not sure if this is where I want to be or what. I just agree, just go check it out. You'll hear a great video from my wife and I, and then we'll be in and we'll have some question and answer, hang out together, have a meal. And it's literally 45 minutes long, so we encourage you to, uh, to do that. So we're going to get into the Word today. Um, I'm so excited uh, about uh, we, this series, and we'll, we'll be in it uh, here for this week and next week. And then we are launching a few new series coming up here in September. We're going to do a series called Why the Church. We spend five weeks talking about why the church exists and why we are here as a church. You know, the church has been around for thousands of years. Some of you have had great experiences. Some of you have had good experiences. And some of you have had ugly experiences. And some of you have never been to church before at all. And so we want to talk about what should the church be doing and what's the purpose of the church, why the church. And so five weeks. And then we're going to do a series called Made for This. We're going to take six weeks and talk to you about the idea of worship and how our life is a life of worship and what the Bible teaches us about worship. It's going to be fantastic. And then we're going to do another series called The Blessed Life as we go into Christmas time. Yes, the Christmas time. I know I'm already talking about it. Sorry. We're going to go into a series called The Blessed Life and talk about what it looks like to live the life that God intended us to live. And so it's going to be great. And we encourage you to join us and invite someone to be here uh, with you uh, on Sunday. So fantastic. Well, we're going to get into it today, get into the word. And, you know, um, my wife and I recently purchased a home back in October uh, over in Sundance in God Country. For anyone who lives in the Northwest, whatever, Southeast is better. Uh, but um, so just kidding. We got a lot. If you're in the Northwest, give me a high end in the North. Anybody in the North? Come on, a lot of you. Don't worry. We're actually going to be starting a small group out in the North, so don't worry. It's, we're coming for you. Uh, so now you have no excuses to not hang out with us. But um, we're going to be hanging out here. It's going to be super fun. Uh, but, you know, my wife and I bought a house and you know how it is when you buy a house. You know, my wife and I rented for six years before we bought our first home in Canada. And uh, we've owned several other homes in the States, but we don't want to talk about that. But in Canada, we had six years where we rented and we saved and we got ourselves in correct uh, financial order and we, we, we prayed and we were kind of to this point where we were ready. And then one day, I, my dad called me and my dad said, hey, son, I want to give you a, a bunch of money to buy a house. And I said, well, thank God. How many would love to get that phone call? He said, we want to give you, before I die, I want to see a bit of your inheritance go towards something good and not just a Porsche and a new haircut. So I want you to buy a house. And so uh, we're like, fantastic. And so he gave us this money and it was a very generous gift. And we were finally able to buy our first 
home. And so there was this day where we traveled around with our, our, our realtor, Andrew Haggith, the uh, selfless plug, and he did a great job. It helped us. And we were going to buy one house, and he talked us out of it, and we're so thankful he did. And another house, and he talked us out of it, and I'm so thankful he did. And then we landed on this house, and he was being led by God to this beautiful place in Sundance. And as we were, uh, you know, wanting this home, we, we went in and we figured out how much money we were going to give or, you know, put down and how much deposit. And, you know, it was a big decision. It was a big face step. And then we finally, okay, we're going to do it. We feel like God's leading us to do it. We're the faith, radical faith season. And so, come on, we're going to put this money, you know, this earnest money down. And we're going to put the, we're going to put an offer in. And we're going to go put this offer in. And we put the offer in. And then all of a sudden, we found that all we had to do after that was just wait. And we waited. And every 10 seconds, I checked my phone and Every few minutes, I called the realtor. Hey, are you doing your job? Like, is the receptionist on, like, sabbat, you know, going on a coffee break? And, oh, like, what's going on? What's happening behind the scenes? Tell me. And Andrew's like, chill out, bro. I got to get this in, and we got to do this, and this has got to happen, and that's got to happen, and all these little things got to happen, and the seller's got to look at it. They got to consider. I'm like, okay, okay. And then I get off the phone with them, and two seconds later, I call them back. What's going on? Just this waiting season. You know how that is in your life when, like, this waiting season for something that you're by faith hoping for to happen, and then you got to be in this waiting season where you got to trust in the Lord. How many of you know that during those seasons, those are the moments when I start to put some holes in my jeans, you know? I start to be on my knees before God. God, please, I will, I'll repent of anything to repent, God. I'll never use another curse word, God. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never watch another movie, God. I'll never do, just God, please, God, answer my prayer and let us have this house, you know? It's this season of waiting that happens and it's this chasm between your ask of God and the receiving from God. It's this chasm that you and I often find ourselves in in our lives maybe it's not a house maybe it's a, a relationship maybe you've been dating this girl for a while and you're not sure if she's the one and now you're starting to feel that and you take that face step and you're going to ask her to marry you and and it's that it's that season of waiting to get married or maybe you want to buy a house or maybe you want to start a new business or maybe you 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 want to uh, you're in a, a tumultuous relationship with your spouse and man all you want to do is leave and bail but you find yourself in a season where god's prompting you you know stay and work it out and by faith i'm going to work this out together and in between all of those moments, between what you want from God, what you're asking God to do in your life, and from when you receive what you're asking God to do, there's this waiting season of transformation, of God ministering to your heart, of you learning to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Today we're going to talk a little bit of, of, about this in the book of Ruth. You know, and I had someone come up to me the other day and say, Ryan, the book of Ruth is only four chapters. How are you able to do eight weeks? Well, I find a way. <laughs> we talk about the little nuances and details of Ruth's story. And what we've been doing is we've been actually going through uh, Ruth's journey together. And last week, I, I identified that after doing some real study through the book of Ruth, I found that it's a bit of a roadmap for our lives. It's a bit of a spiritual roadmap. And if you look at our life, and as we talked about last week, and you can listen to all of them online, we record all of our messages, you can hear them online, but you'll find that there's this journey that Ruth goes through, and Ruth goes on this, this, this season of her life where she's first, she's in Moab, as I mentioned last week, she's in Moab, and she's far from God, and she's distant from God, and every one of us in this room, I don't care who you are today, I care, but you know what I mean, I don't care, but I care, I care about you, I don't, never mind, never mind. Uh, no matter where you're at today, in your journey with God, one of these represents you. 
Maybe you're like, you're in Moab and you're lost and you're far from God and you, you don't know who God is and you've never been to church and you don't even know you're lost. You don't even know that you need God and you're here today and you've been in worship like, man, what was I feeling? What was that presence? That's, that's recognizing that, oh my gosh, there's a God who can redeem me and save me and he's great and he's big. Maybe you're like uh, Ruth and you're lost in Moab or maybe when Naomi and Elimelech in this story decided to leave their home in Israel and actually made a bad decision and they ended up in Moab and they stumbled upon Ruth and there they found Ruth and they started a relationship together and, and, and Ruth fell in love with, uh, with Naomi's uh, son. And so now in this part of the story, God actually finds Ruth. So Ruth is lost and then she's found and then Ruth lost her husband. She lost her brother-in-law. She lost her father-in-law. And so Naomi, who went to Moab, now lost her husband, her two sons, and she's stuck with these two ladies named Ruth and Orpah. Not Oprah, Orpah. And here they are and finally they decide Naomi decides I'm going to go back to my hometown in Israel where the presence of God is I'm going to go back to the place that I was I'm going to return back into relationship with God and Naomi turns to Ruth and says Ruth you can come with me if you want but I want you to know that if you go on this journey you're going to have to give up everything you've ever wanted in your life you're going to have to lay down your future opportunity for a child you're going to have to lay down your future opportunity for marriage you're going to have to basically lay down your agenda, your life, your way, everything you've ever wanted in your life. You're actually going to have to lay that down and sacrifice that to come and follow me on this journey back to the place of Israel. In this story, we find that, that, that Ruth was lost and, and then she was found and then she had to make a personal decision that she was going to give everything up to follow, follow God. And as she went on this journey, she decided that she was going to do that and she was going to follow after God. And maybe that's you here today, you're realize that you were lost and you realize that God found you but now today you need to start that journey with him and say okay this is it I'm going to go on this journey with him I don't know what it means but I'm going to follow him I'm going to go after him. I'm going to give up my way and start following his way and then the next part of this story is chapter chapter 2 verse 1 we find that Naomi is pretty upset with God that she lost all of her her, her two boys and her, her, her husband and the Bible says that Naomi says she was very bitter with God and that she went out full and she came back empty and so Ruth had to make a decision. Am I just going to stay in this place of bitterness and stay in this place of frustration that, that, that now I'm serving God and life isn't getting any better? Life isn't any different. Like how many of you know that when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you went to work on, on, on Friday and you got, uh, became a follower of Jesus on Sunday and you went back to church on Monday and your, your work didn't change, your boss didn't change, your neighbor didn't change, but you changed. And something changed inside of you. So now you view your job differently. You see your job through the eyes of God and the redemption that God wants you to do. And he wants you to begin to redeem the job that you're in and redeem the situation that you're in and begin to get to work and serve God with all your heart. And Ruth chose to do this. But Ruth also found herself in this field of chapter two. And this is kind of where we left off last week. Ruth made a decision that she was gonna go to work. She wasn't gonna sit around and she was gonna sit in her sadness or her grief that she didn't have a husband or she didn't have a future. She wasn't going to sit around and just wait for life to figure it out itself. She was going to get up and make something happen. She got up and she went to work and she stumbled upon the very field of Boaz. Now, for those of you who don't know, the, the, the punchline of the story, the ending of the story is, is that Ruth, before Ruth was even found in Moab, God had a plan for Ruth to be the seed line carrier of Jesus Christ. God had a plan that Ruth would be the great-grandmother of King David, 
This woman who was stuck in Moab, who was lost and nothing and nowhere, is now a widow, the lowest class of society, a woman, the lowest class of society in that day. And she was a woman who was going to be the great-grandmother of David. And here, she had no idea. She made a decision, I'm going to go back to work. I'm not just going to sit around and wait for life just to, just to dictate for me what my future looks like. I'm going to get to work. I'm going to start serving my boss. I'm going to start serving my neighbors. I'm going to start getting into my life and start doing what God has called me to do, even though my situation hasn't changed very much. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord, and I'm going to serve people around me. And then we come into this field in Ruth 2.23. It says, that Ruth worked alongside the woman in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the har barley harvest. And she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. So this is the end of chapter two. Ruth has been working in the field of Boaz. Boaz is the one who she will one day marry, who will be the great-grandfather of King David. And little, she doesn't even know this yet. She doesn't even know that this is the guy she's gonna marry. She doesn't even know that God was so involved in her life, even before she gave her heart to him. Even before Ruth did anything for God, God had a plan for her. Even before Ruth made a decision to follow after him, God had a plan for her. Even before you do something good, even before you read your Bible, even before you come to church, even before you give of your finances, did you know that God had a plan before the foundations of time for something good for your life, something beyond your wildest dreams, beyond your whatever you can ask or dream or imagine according to God's work within you? There is something great for your life that God has and he's written it down in the, before the foundations of the earth. And here we are with Ruth in this field and she's working and she's working at that Starbucks job or she's working in that career or she's at home with the kids and she's doing the job and at this point life now that she's serving God life begins to take on a different vantage point now she begins to no longer be in pursuit of maybe a career and finances and the nice things and the nice cars now because she's a follower of Jesus her value system is changing and now what she used to pursue she no longer pursues any longer now she realizes that in the kingdom of God, things are so upside down from before when I didn't know God. And yet she has to remain faithful in the field to work. And she's working. And the scripture here says that she worked and she worked and she worked faithfully and she worked faithfully. And we talked a little bit about this season and I want to make a few more comments about this season because I think there's a lot of people that are in this season right now. There's a lot of people here today who know that God has something great for your life. There's a lot of people here today who in your heart and mind, maybe you've had a, a prophetic word or maybe you've had someone encourage you with a thought or maybe you have a dream to launch a business or one day you want to get married again or maybe one day you want to launch a ministry or be a youth pastor or worship pastor or launch a church one day or be a missionary. God has put something in your heart, but you're stuck working at Starbucks. <laughs> You're going to work every day, putting up with your, your Nimrod little boss who keeps telling you what to do and you're 20 years older than him. You, 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 you go around and you're doing this job and you're serving the thing and you're loving, you know, just trying to love life and be faithful and serve God. I want to just speak to you a little bit more about this season because the Lord just showed me some things as I be, as I, before we continue to this next season, which is super exciting because this is where you'll end up. So this has been your journey. This is your spiritual journey and it's a checkpoint for you. And maybe you're at one of these spots. You were lost and then Jesus found you and you made a decision to follow him. 
Then you decided that my world didn't change, but my heart did, so now I've got to redeem my world. And now that I'm in my world, I've got to stay faithful to my world, even though now I know God has called me to do something greater than what I'm doing. God has called me to serve here, but I know that, I'm, that God's called me to go there. And the scripture, look at this, Philippians 2.13, it says, for God is working in you. You've got to recognize during this season that God is actually at work. Even when you're making that karma macchiato, even when you're dealing with that boss, even when you're dealing with that new client, even when you're at home with your two snotty-nosed kids who won't shut up about the stupid show that doesn't work, even in those moments, you gotta know God is working in your life. Come on, I wanna hear an amen. amen. God is at work in your life. When you think he's not, when you're driving from point A to point B to go to work, did you know God's working in your life? Do you know that when you're traveling around going for lunch somewhere with somebody, you know God is working in your life. When you're sitting at your office in your little cubicle and you've got your computer and you're doing your thing, you know God is working even in the most mundane, shadowy moments of your life. God is at work in your life. Look what it says. He is working on your desires. So the way for you to get out of this season is to start to yield your desires to God. And recognize that the kingdom that you wanted to build for yourself is not the kingdom that God wants to build for you. Recognize that God has something far greater than for your life, but it requires you to let go of your perspective and even more importantly, the, the nasty word, I'm gonna say it, it's a curse word, all little kids plug your ears, control. <laughs> you gotta relinquish and yield control to the Lord in this season and trust that even though you've been working the same job and doing the same thing and working diligently in the season and that God has so much, Lord, you can say, okay, God, you are working on my desires so that my desires match your desires. The second thing he says here is that he's giving you the power. So that word power is dunamis. It's miracle working power. It speaks to capacity. I want you to hear me. What God has called you to in the future, you do not have the framework now to handle. Now some of you here, God's called to reach thousands of people for his kingdom. Some of you here, God has called to launch a business that will make millions of dollars that will advance the kingdom of God. Some of you here have been called to be teachers at schools and make an influence for generations to come on teachers. Some of you here have been called to pastor, mentor, and raise up your children at home, and they will be world changers. But right now, what God has for you, you do not have the capacity to handle. And I know in my life, when I see what God wants for me, I get so frustrated that I want to be, that, that, I want to be working in that profession and doing that thing and working here. For me, it's like, God, I believe you called us to reach thousands of people, Lord. Thousands of people, influential across the world. God, I can see it in my mind. I can picture it, God. And it drives me crazy because I can see it in my head all the time. But I know I don't have the framework. And so this is a season where he works on your capacity. He works, gives you the power, gives you the, until finally, one day, you will find that God calls you out of this season. Look at this verse in Ephesians. Look at this. God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. <laughs> he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. So, 
what happens is, is you got your head down, you're working in the field, you're working the job, you're working the thing, you're being faithful, God's working on you, your desires are aligning to his desires, you're beginning to realize that, man, my capacity isn't enough, I have to start resting and relying upon God a lot more in my job, even though I know how to do it, I gotta start asking the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom, and Holy Spirit to lead me, and Holy Spirit to help me know what opportunity he wants me to work through. Over time, he's working on your, he's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him, and then the, the, the scripture says, in uh, Ruth chapter 3 verse 1 one day Naomi said to Ruth one day as we ended last week one day God calls you out of this season and this is your spiritual journey so I want you to listen for those of you who have been serving in this season for everyone in this room there was hope for you God wants to fulfill his purposes in your life I don't care how old you are or how young you are in this room or how far you are from God, do you know that the purposes for God are beyond your wildest dreams? Do you know that God wants to do something far beyond what your mundane life right now looks like? Because we're called to live a life of radical faith. And so right now you have to recognize that there is a day will come if you remain faithful to what God has asked you to do in the season you're in, one day, one day, one day, Naomi will come to Ruth and say, hey, all right, why don't we get you married? Why don't we get you to the next season? Why don't we raise you up to the next level of your life? Look what it says. I'm just going to read the first verse here, and I'm going to keep going. It says, one day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time. I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Here it is right here. First thing is this. I'm going to talk about this season. God calls you into this season. You don't get yourself into this season. Chapter two, Ruth went out and got to work. Chapter three, God called Ruth. Recognize something that until God calls you out of the season of chapter two and serving in the field of chapter two, God will call you. And when he does call you, he will call you out very clearly. God calls you out. The second thing we see here is that, is that it's God's timing. He says, it's time, she said. It's time to get you out. Our spiritual journey here, we recognize that all throughout Scripture, if you look at every single person who's made a significant impact for the kingdom of God, has this season. Moses is serving his father-in-law on the backside of the desert, and then one day, he stumbles on a burning bush. David's serving his father's sheep, and then one day, they're having a party without him. The whole party, they're having a huge party, and they didn't invite David. And then one day, his father comes out and says, David, come here. And they pour a flask of oil on his head, and he's anointed to be king. One day, Esther is living at home, doing her thing. And then one day, she gets called out to be the carrier of this great anointing of being the queen of Sheba. We find that, that this journey happens for every one of our lives. And so God calls you out of it. It's in God's timing in your life. And it requires a radical faith step. So you say, Ryan... This isn't for me today. I don't, I'm not in this place. I want you to know this is where you are going if you continue to be on your journey with God. This is where he wants to bring you to. I want you to hear me today. If you're here today and you say, Ryan, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, this is where God is trying to get you. This is where he's trying to guide you. He's trying to lead you to a place in your life where you're willing to make radical steps of faith for his kingdom. Look at the scripture. He says, now do as I tell you. Naomi talking to Ruth. 
take a bath. She must have smelled terrible for her to say that. It's kind of rude. You need to clean up, girl. You look nasty. Put on perfume. She must have stunk, okay. And dress in your nicest clothes. He basically told her to go put on a white bridal gown. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down and go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. Okay, so this is a crazy thing. This is a girl who's from Moab. So number one, a Moabitess in the land of Israel was firstly a reject of society because she was not considered to be one of the Israelite people. Secondly, she was a widow, and so she was the lowest class of society. And thirdly, then, she was a woman who was mistreated in that day, and treated as a second class, almost like a dog. So here's this woman, and she's supposed to dress up like a bride who's ready for marriage, even though there's nothing about this woman that is marriageable. There was a moment of faith where she had to step out and put on this wedding gown and, and you know, say yes to the dress and get the, you know, go out and go shopping with Naomi and get it all going. And then, and then she had to go down to the threshing floor where women were not allowed to be because it, it's a man's world, cue Beyonce. And we have all these different moments uh, in this story here where we see that this woman had to dress up in a bridal outfit, go down where women were not allowed to be and lay at a man's feet and wait for him to come from his party where he was eating and drinking and lay down at his feet and say, put your blanket over me. That is a weird, weird, girls don't ever do that on your first date. Don't wear a wedding dress on your first date. That'd be weird. <laughs> this is a face step yeah. for Ruth. She was not in a place where she'd be putting on a white dress. She was not in a place where she should be going down to the threshing floor when you come into this season of your life, when God calls you into this season, and maybe the season for you is God's been calling you to start a ministry, start a business. Maybe he's called you to move to another province, move to another city, be a missionary. Maybe he's called you to get into that relationship. Maybe he's called you to go to counseling. Maybe he's been calling you to stay in that marriage relationship, even though it's broken and it's hurting and you guys aren't seeing eye to eye. God's asked you to stay and continue to serve. A day will come where you say, okay, now I want you to take a faith step. A radical faith step into what God is calling you to do. And then we see in the story that Ruth's response was beautiful. This season requires a yes on your lips. I will do everything that you say. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. A yes on your lips. Again, if you look at everyone who made a significant impact, the phrase, here I am, was a, every time God called one of these men and women to do something, they said, here I am. Can I just say a comment that might sound a little harsh for a minute? <laughs> Stop saying no to God. I believe in my own life, God has come to me many times and asked me to take a face step, and out of fear, or out of me disqualifying myself because I'm not good enough, or... I'm not smart enough, or I'm not spiritual enough, or I'm definitely not holy enough. I'm definitely not good enough. I'm definitely a sinner. My gosh, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm definitely not qualified enough to do this, and so therefore, God, I appreciate the offer, but no. As, a, as followers of Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're a part of Love City Church, God has called you to be a part of the body, an active member in the body of Christ where you say, yes, I will do what God has asked me to do. Yes, I will serve in that ministry. Yes, I will help in that outreach. Yes, I will help launch that church. Yes, I will be a part of that business. Yes, God. Yes, God, I know it's crazy. I know you want me to put on a wedding dress and lay down on a man's feet in a random field, but God, I'm gonna do it. 
Because you asked me to do it, God. Yes, God. Come on, repeat after me, everybody. On the count of three, I want you to say yes. One, two, three. Yes. Oh, that was a little. Come on, one, one, two, one, two, three. Yes. That's all he wants to hear is yes, God. Not, okay, God, I'll do it in five years. Or, oh, God, when I get things in order. Or, God, when I start tithing, then I'll do it. Or, God, when I start going to church regularly. Or, when I start actually doing my Bible reading plan, if you're like me, I do a Bible reading plan, and, like, every Saturday I do seven days of catch-up, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, gosh, I'm going to catch up. God wants a yes from you. He wants a yes from your heart. He wants a yes from your spirit. Then when God comes and speaks to you, that's what he wants. He wants you to say, yes, God. Yes, God, I will do whatever it is you ask me to do. But I want you to know something. This season where God has you to that next level, to that next place, when you're standing out on the water and you're about to walk on water, just imagine Peter for a minute. Peter said, Jesus, if you, it, please call me to come out on the water. Peter steps out onto the water, walks on water, and he was about to take a few steps. And he had a moment and an opportunity to be one of the only people in history outside of Jesus to walk on water. And here he's about to take a step. And he looks down and he sees the waves and he sees all the, the wind and it says he was afraid. And he says, Jesus, help me. And Jesus, while standing on the water, looks in the eyes and says, where's your faith? He's already on the water, looking eye to eye with Jesus, out from the boat. And he looks around and says, oh my gosh. And Jesus, where's your faith? Come on, we gotta say yes to God. We gotta say yes to him. And I wanna I want make a promise to you. I wanna make, make a promise to you. I wanna make a promise to your life. Because I, I believe I'm a, I'm a living testimony. I don't always say yes, but I want to say I'm a living testimony by starting this church. We said yes when all the odds were against us. No people, no money, no support. Nobody liked us very much. And we said we're going to start this thing because God told us to do it. And look around the room. Look what God's done. There's a yes. And when you have a yes in your heart, when you have a yes to the things that God's called you to do, guess what happens? You're going to do things in your life that are beyond your wildest dreams. You're going to do things God will take you places and you'll see things and be a part of things you never thought you could be a part of. And this is what it leads to. This season actually leads you to even a deeper place of transformation. This was the season of winnowing. A winnower is when a, uh, the, the, they would take the, the separate the, the wheat from the chaff. And so the winnowing floor, they would take all of their, the different things and they would take the wheat and they would separate it like this. And it would, all the things that were, were, were beneficial and all the things that were helpful and all the things that would benefit the life of, of or benefit that, 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 that crop would fall at the feet and the rest of it would be pushed away. Here's Ruth. When she said yes, it immediately brought her into a place where there was more transformation, not less, more transformation, more of a weeding out, more of an attitude shift, more of a perspective shift, more of recognizing, man, I used to be able to watch those things, but now I can't. And I used to be able to talk like that and, and now I can't. And I used to be able to act like this or think like this or be like this. And gosh, I can't any longer because I've said yes to God. And when I say yes to God, he start, it's giving him permission to start transforming your life like never before. It goes beyond just behavioral where, well, I'm a Christian now, so I guess I can't do that anymore. It's not that. There's a journey where God begins to speak to you about things, and that's between you and the Holy Spirit, not you and me. That's between you and God and your life and what's going on. But there will come a day when you come into the season where God's going to put his finger on that attitude and that finger on that mindset and that finger on that perspective of who God is, and he's going to begin to transform you because he knows this person says yes. It's transformation. God begins to transform you. He begins to speak to you. And I love, this is my favorite part. 
then he brings you into a season where you're even closer to Jesus. Look at this. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, that means he had a little too much to drink? A little food? He was, he was happy. <laughs> it was a good party hanging out. He laid down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. And then Ruth came quickly and uncovered her feet and she lay down. This is a beautiful story. I want you just to let me step back for a moment and let me speak to you metaphorically. Here's a woman who was lost in her sin, was broken, was distant and far from God. And God came and found her. And when God found her, he redeemed her and brought her back to his home and said, I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want to come with me? You're going to have to give up your life. But if you come with me, the life I have for you is far greater than the life that you'll have in the future. And she said, yes, I'll follow you. Then she began to redeem her life because her life didn't change, but her heart did. She started changing the world around her. And she started being in that environment, sensing God had something more for her, but she stayed faithful. And then one day, God called her out and she said, I need to make a faith the radical step to serve God. I'm going to start that ministry. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to change that career. And now you step into it and say, I need you to do this. You say, okay, God, yes, I'm going to do it. And then you find transformation happening in your life. And now you find yourself where you should have started in the first place, at the very feet of your Redeemer. Recognizing that this is the ultimate goal of your life is not to have more things, but to be in a relationship with Jesus to be in a place in your walk with God where nothing else matters but my relationship with my, my friend and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Boaz was her kinsman redeemer. Boaz was the only relative of Naomi's that could redeem Ruth and take away the, the scourge of her widowhood and take away the, the mindset of her, of, of, of her being a woman and take away all this stuff that she had in her past. He was the only one that could heal her and redeem her and set her free and make her a new woman. This was Boaz and now she's laying at the feet of her redeemer and she's saying, okay, I am ready to be used by you. This is the objective of your career. This is the objective of your life. This is the objective of your relationships. I want to tell you today, you say, Ryan, it starts with a relationship with Jesus and it ends with a relationship with Jesus. When you come into this season, the only thing you have is Jesus. Your career doesn't cut it anymore. The money doesn't cut it anymore. Gosh, your husband, your wife, I mean, I love my wife and she's a way better person than me, but just doesn't cut it anymore. I love it and we're madly in love, but listen, there's just a point where it just doesn't satisfy. I love my daughter and my son, but it just doesn't satisfy. I love my motorcycle, hallelujah. I love my new passion for golf. I need some help. I love all these things in my life, but guess what? If my life doesn't lead me to the feet of my Redeemer in a place of transformation where God is changing me and making me a new man and making me more pure and thinking more clearly and my attitudes about people are changing and my, my envy, enviousness and, and frustration about life and my pursuit of the happiness of the American or Canadian dream. As I, those things are not being shedded away. I'm not finding myself at the feet of my Redeemer. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Brings you closer to Jesus. Look at this. Here's this woman, Ruth, who did not deserve to be at Boaz's feet. I had a conversation with somebody this week, a wonderful young man. He said to me, Ryan, I struggle because of my past. I don't know how with my past God could love me and use me. This is the biggest plague that the enemy wants to cast on all people. 
is to get you to think that your good deeds or who you are in your goodness means anything to God. Do you know that when you become a follower of Jesus, that his righteousness covers you so that when God looks at you, all he sees is Jesus' blood? He actually can't look at you and see your sin. Now he can because he's God, but if you give me permission to say that, he looks at you and doesn't see anything but he doesn't see anything but the righteousness and grace and love of Jesus. The scripture in Ephesians 2. God is God has us where he wants us. With all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. And all we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major, a major role. Because if we did, we'd probably go out around bragging that we've done the whole thing. No, we're neither, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both a making and a savings. Look at this in Philippians 3. This is Paul talking about his life. Paul, who was a great Pharisee, great man of God, was, had everything at his fingertips. And he said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ Jesus has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And look at this, and become one with him. Ruth came to a point where she made such a radical step of faith in the place of transformation. She said, okay, God, everything else is garbage compared to being at your feet. Okay, so here we are at the very end here. And I want to give you the, the, the last thought about this season. This is the cool part. The other part was pretty cool too. This is the next cool part. Look at this. When you allow God to bring you on this journey and he calls you into a season of radical faith where you have a yes on your lips and you're allowing him to transform you and you're spending your time at the feet of your redeemer, guess what happens? This season positions you to ask big of God. <laughs> Look at this. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up for, and turned over and he surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Can you imagine? <laughs> Going to a party sleeping out in a tent, and there's a lady laying at your feet in a bride gown. <laughs> Who are you, he said. She said, I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. This is a big ask. Laying at the feet of her redeemer, she began to declare, will you redeem me? Like, I'm at your feet. Will you use me? Will you redeem me, God? God, will you redeem this broken marriage and will you make it restored again? God, I have been in such financial disarray for years and I've been doing everything in my power to make God, would you open opportunity? God, will you give me moments of, of wisdom? God, will you help me in the, in the church I'm a part of? And God, will you help me to step out in faith and do what you call me to do? And God, will you use me? Will you cover me, God? Do you got my back? Will you help me to be something in this life, God? Will you help me to be the person you called me to be? This is a moment where she made a big ask and said, okay, will you cover me? Will you redeem me? Will you do the thing, God, that you prophesied over my life? God, you called me and you destined me. God, will you do what you said you would do 20 years ago when I prayed that prayer and I knew you called me to do something great? God, will you use my life for your greatness? So little did she know that she was asking to be the grandmother, great-grandmother of David. She was asking to be the seed line carrier of Jesus Christ. <laughs> she said, God, will you allow me to have a legacy that's far beyond my life? And see, these are the moments, you know, a lot of times the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. And we think, well, I could just ask for that, you know, vacation rental in Malibu. Hallelujah. <laughs> or that Audi A8 that I've always wanted. These moments of ask have history. 
When you really are asking according to God's will, it isn't just a frivolous ask. There's history behind the ask. There's years and, and seasons of on your knees and serving when you didn't want to serve and loving your neighbor when you didn't want to love your neighbor. And there's, there's seasons of radical face steps and there's seasons of yes in your spirit and there's seasons of transformation and there's seasons of you on the phone, your feet before God. And now you can ask big of God, God, this is what I want for my life. You can't just ask the question if you're on this journey and you haven't yielded your life to God. He wants you to receive everything that he has for you. But there is a definite season and a journey that he wants to take you on. And in this season, God says, you can ask. And I want to prove it to you. Jesus talks about it. Look at this in John 15. We're almost finished here this morning. It says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Look at this. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit transformation, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more fruit, even more transformation. Look at this, John 15, 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Did you all see that? Okay, blink a minute, and let's read it again. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. And it will be granted. So the reason this kind of person can ask is because their desires have been aligned with God's. The reason this person can ask is because they've realized I don't have the capacity and I'm a sinner and I fall short and I'm broken and I am lost in my life and I need God and I need to be at the feet of my Redeemer saying, God, I need you to cover me. I need you to protect me. I need your wisdom. I need your help. I want to ask big of you right now. God, we want to have another child. Will you enable me to have another child? God, my, my body's been sick for a long time. Will you heal my body? God, my marriage is broken and I want it to be restored. God, will you restore my marriage? I want you to know that yes, God wants to do those things if they're according to his will for your life. And it brings you to a place where you can ask of him. <laughs> I love this. Ruth Boaz says to her, the Lord bless you, my daughter. You're showing even more family loyalty than you did before. Before, you've not gone after a younger man. You stayed the course, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. Look at this. I will do what is necessary. And this season has the results where you and I have to put that earning deposit money down, write that contract, and just wait. And Trust. God is going to figure out all the details. Look what, look what Naomi said to Ruth. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. This is my word to you as we end here this morning. Wait and see what God has for your life. This is why I wanted to share this with you and why I share it so passionately with you today. I want you, I want you all to perk your, perk your ears up for a moment. You do not have to live a mundane life as a follower of Jesus Christ. He has called you to live a life of radical faith where you are living by faith every day, led by God every day, led by God in your finances, led by God in your relationships, led by God in your business, led by God in your ministry, where you are led by faith. And what happens when you're led by faith? What happens when you allow God to transform you? Listen, you can just wait and see. Just wait and see what God has in store for you. 
Wait and see what becomes of your children. Wait and see what becomes of your marriage. Wait and see what becomes of that gift that you gave to that thing and it exploded and caused these amazing things to happen. Wait till you see what God does with that business. Just wait and see what God has involved for you in store for you. Because God is involved in your journey. Come on, would you all close your eyes this morning? I want to say something to you this morning. I'm going to pray two prayers. Stay seated for a moment. Would you close your eyes? I just don't really feel like, I really want you to catch this this morning. Some of us are in this place in our life where we, we've been stuck. Maybe, there's, maybe it's a physical problem. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's finance. Maybe it's job. Maybe it's whatever it is but you've been stuck and you have a hard time hearing what I'm saying to you today, that God has a great plan for your life. And in the current context of your life right now with how you're living your life and maybe there's a sick loved one or maybe there's a situation, you have a hard time looking at the way your life is now and with the words I'm saying uh, to you this morning, you have a hard time putting those together. And I wanna come to you this morning and just, just pray for you. God, I just pray for the people in the room right now that are in a season of their life where they cannot accept that you have something better for them. Those people in the room, God, who are feeling like they've just been going through the motions and they don't have faith any longer and they're feeling discouraged about life and discouraged about where they're at and discouraged about what's going on. God, I pray right now, Father, that you would speak fresh faith into their bones, oh God. Fresh faith into their spirit. Fresh faith into their heart today that they would be able to believe once again that, God, you have something great in store for their life. You have something great in store for their, for their journey. You have something great in store for their children. You have something great in store. And God, we just come to the, against the lies of the devil who wants to try to cause there to be a death mindset, a mindset that can't accept the ways of God. We speak to you right now. We just speak freedom to every mind in this place. Freedom to receive the words of God. Freedom to receive the idea that today God has something great in store for you. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray one more prayer. Just close your eyes for a minute. This is for those in the room who maybe are in that very first spot. You're in a place in your life where you just feel lost and you, you want to start a journey with God today because you want to live that life that God has for you. Come on, with every eye closed, I don't want to embarrass you today. If that's you today, you say, Ryan, I'd like to start a journey, a relationship with Jesus today. I'd like to get to know him and go on this journey. You may not have all the answers. You may not even understand it fully, but I want you to know today that God loves you. He found you, and he has a great life in store for you. If you're here today and you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to see your hand, and we'll all pray together. Come on, every eye closed. If you're here today, and you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. Just shoot your hand up real quick and then put it down. On the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, anybody in the room today? Come on, amen. Amen, amen. All right, church, I want you to repeat after me. Come on, pray with me today for these two people here. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, let's try it again real loud, church. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I give my life to you. I need you in my life. I admit I'm lost. And I need your presence to come right now and fill my life. I confess that I'm a sinner and that I'm far from you. But I need you to come in right now. 
I confess that you are God of my life. And I want to start a journey today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's just sing a quick song here. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.